We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty Podcast Network. Excited for today's episode. Excited to have another solo episode here today. No guest, just me ranting. <laughs> Lucky you. Um, just one of those weeks where I actually had some guests lined up, but had to cancel because I got too darn busy with uh, with my day job and with preparing taxes and all this other crap. Um, that happens to everybody. I don't know. Happens to a lot of people. Happens to me. Um, I know everybody's busy this time of year. Um, and, you know, it's it's not the good kind of busy either. And I, I actually hate the word busy. And every time I hear myself say I'm busy, it kind of makes me angry that I said it because being busy in itself is not like a good thing, right? Um, it just means that we're not organizing our time um, in a manner as if most effective as possible. So if we're just busy, busy, busy doing crap, that means our life is out of control. And honestly, that's what my life has felt like for the past week, two weeks, um, as I try to get everything done, get caught up, get my taxes done for you know my different businesses. Taxes are a nightmare for me. Uh, my land investing business has just been, we had an awesome year last year. And I wanted to teach myself, I, I made it a goal to teach myself how to do all of the bookkeeping for our land um, land investing business this year. And it's freaking tough, man. Let me tell you, I'm happy I'm doing it because I'm learning a lot. And I, th- I think I'm learning a lot more about how to better take advantage um, from a tax standpoint, saving money, et cetera. But uh, it has been a lot of work. It's been, I don't know, I probably put like 15 hours into it, which is just insanity, 15 hours that I don't have. So that's that. That's that's my rant on uh, on taxes. But I don't know, just the craziness of the world um, is just really, really driving me bonkers right now as well. And I'm going to get into talking about that stuff, talking about ESG, Anheuser-Busch, Nike, Dylan Mulvaney, all of that crap we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Kamala Harris and her uh, giving a uh, air quotes rousing speech about the uh, the Tennessee Democrats who were uh, who were kicked out of the uh, the Tennessee uh, House of Representatives down there. Well, we'll talk about all that stuff, but I do want to share. Um, I was a guest on a uh, an awesome podcast that I did the interview last, or I did the interview yeah last week. Um, the Libertarian Christian podcast. It'll be out in I think two to three weeks is what Doug told me. So um, when that does come out, I'll let everybody know. Uh, it was a really enjoyable conversation. And I talked about things on there that I have talked, I've not talked about anywhere else, I don't think. For whatever reason, it caught me in a very reflective mode, um, reflective mood, excuse me, uh, talking about my faith, talking about how I even got into talking about the criminal justice system 
and really what I did for years and years with uh, with Felony Friday. So interesting stuff. I will uh, I'll let you all know when it comes out, and maybe I'll publish it on my Finding Freedom um, solo feed as well. Which of course you should be subscribed to. If you're not, you can find the Finding Freedom solo feed. Anywhere podcasts are found, just by searching Finding Freedom, it should pop up. If it doesn't, just put in my name, John Odermatt, and uh, it surely will pop up if you do that. And while you're at it, while you're subscribing to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. If you're listening on the Lions of Liberty Network, uh, make sure you are subscribed to that as well. So you get my show, you get Brian's show, Mean Age Daydream, and you get our Friday show, which most of the time is Meme Wars, and we're getting quite a following uh, for Meme Wars. We've had some good numbers on, on YouTube with people watching along. It is, it, it's is—it's a show where, of course, you can listen to it in podcast form and still get a lot out of it. But if you watch on YouTube or Rumble or Odyssey or whatever, on the video side, you get to see the actual memes, you get to see the actual videos that we're talking about. And its uh, I think it's a really cool um it's a cool show we've put together. I'm, j- I'm just going to say it. It's, it's it's awesome. You should check it out if you haven't. And you should make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and or Rumble and or Odyssey um, to get your, uh, your Lions of Liberty video content. Okay, let's get into it. Um, I, I know I'm talking about something that Brian and Robbie the Fire talked about um, last Wednesday on Mean Age Daydream. But I, I can't let this go by without talking about it. Um, much like Brian talked about his reaction to this uh, Dylan Mulvaney, Bud Light commercial partnership um, on social media, whatever it is between Mulvaney and and uh, Anheuser-Busch, it, it drives me absolutely bonkers to see this. And, you know, Brian and Robbie mostly, you know, talked about and took the tact of this being from a marketing standpoint, not making any sense. And I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, I, I think, and I don't want to put words in Brian's mouth, whatever, what I remember from the conversation, Brian did talk a little bit about the ESG angle, but um, I think that's the entire angle really. You know, I think that's where I would differ from, from Brian and Robbie in that I think the only thing they care about here is the ESG angle. And that's the same, like s- similar to the deal that Mulvaney has with uh, with Nike. It doesn't matter if they're pissing to them. It doesn't matter if they're pissing off their uh, their consumers, because this is so deeply ingrained, coming in the back door through BlackRock, um, and these uh, ESG scores. And I'm going to read an article here um, from the Daily Mail that breaks this all down. Um, how this works. And what you're going to come to understand um, as I get through this article is that this is something that is coming for every single major brand and even not major brands that will have to get on um, this ESG bandwagon. And this is just really phase one of uh, the ESG wokeism that's going to be shoved down our throat by uh, by major corporations. So let's start with the article. It's in the Daily Mail. It's called Companies Like Nike and Anheuser-Busch Use Transstar, Dylan Mulvaney to Push Products, Increasing Their Corporate Equality Index Scores with Influential LGBTQ Lobbying Group. I don't know why they left the plus off and the two S's. I guess the Daily Mail just hates LGBTQ plus two S people. I don't. I guess that's what it is. Leaving leaving those uh you know those the, all those letters and plus signs off. But 
So to get into the article here, and I am just going to kind of read it and then talk about stuff. I haven't done this in a while, but this article is really chock full of really worthwhile talking points. So here we go. Big brands pushing woke advertising on their customers are being graded by a major LGBTQ lobbying group that keeps close tabs on their level of equality, publishing their scores to keep them in, to keep them in competition with their rivals. Corporations like Nike and Anheuser-Busch feature LGBTQ public figures, most notably trans star Dylan. Is it Dylan? Am I, am I saying that wrong? I don't really care. No, I guess that's a, that's a typo. It says Dylan. Dylan Mulvaney. Avoid losing crucial credit points that could ruin their bottom lines. So this isn't just about virtue signaling for these um, you know, companies. This isn't about them trying to reach out to a new market segment. They're not trying to market to the, the, the crazy progressives on the left or to the trans community. No, they're not. They are trying to stay in line with the ESG scores that they need in order to maintain their seat at the table. So let, let's get into it. Lucrative deals and ideological advertising campaigns all play into a business corporate equality index, a ranking overseen by the human rights campaign. So HRC for short, the most powerful LGBTQ plus political lobbying group in the world compiles woke scorecards based on corporate box ticking. Businesses that meet the criteria and earn a maximum of 100 index points are awarded with a best place to work for LGBTQ for, for the best place to work LGBTQ equality title, which uh, 15 of the top 20 fortune-ranked corporations achieved that title. This is according to the HRC, the HRC being Human Rights Campaign. Among the top corporations to receive a CEI score, Corporate Equality Index score of uh, 100 in 2022 were Walmart, Amazon, Apple, and Google. Uh, to earn favor from the HRC, which has deep ties to the George Soros Open Society Foundation, big brands are judged based on four criterion that can make or break their CEI scores. The four criterion are workforce protections, inclusive benefits, supporting and inclusive culture, and corporate social responsibility and responsible citizenship. What the hell does that even mean? Um, are all used to determine how a company compares on all of the all-important rankings. Determine how a company compares on the all-important rankings. Excuse me. The CEI falls under the umbrella of ESG, stands for Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance, and its ethical investing movement, which funds ideological projects, including those that phase out fossil fuels, promote unionization, and maintain racial and gender equality hiring quotas. If you remember um, recently, and this is me talking, not the article, if you remember recently, there was that bill, um, which it actually passed last year, which is going to require funds like 401k funds, mutual funds, um, to take into account ESG scores in addition to you know the bottom line, uh, for example, companies making money actually being profitable um, when they you know grade these um, corporations out for inclusion in their funds. So this was passed before the Republicans took control of the House. <clears throat> 
uh, the, the beginning of this uh, this past term, and it was passed. Then the Republicans repealed it, and then Joe Biden vetoed the repeal. And essentially, what he said was. Oh, these Republicans are putting you at risk for losing money in your 401k. So you're irresponsible. They don't want um, these companies to be evaluating them on uh, all these different things that are so important to investing to make sure that you're getting the best investments because you're a blue collar worker and you deserve the best. You deserve your pension. And these Republicans don't want you to get your pension because it was it was just complete insanity that made no sense at all to what the actual um, legislation did was made this ESG nonsense mandatory. So that's what's in place right now. That is, <coughs> excuse me, that is why this is happening. That's exactly, that's one of the driving factors why this is happening. The other driving fa- factor, BlackRock, we'll be talking about here um, shortly. And George Soros as well, who, who was mentioned earlier. Okay, so, and if a company drops CEI points, it can mean losing a seat at the table. The CEI, CEI falls under the umbrella ESG, where we talked about that, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. For profit, for profit-driven entities losing conservative customers by pushing woke advertising and making figures like Mulvaney, the public face of the company, is a small price to pay compared to the alternative. This is what I'm talking about. This they don't give a shit if they're pissing off their, their consumer base. They don't care. That's the times we're living in. That's how upside down this world is that we're living in. Mulvaney has faced severe backlash, of course. Um, after he, she was handed lucrative ad deals with brands, including Nike, Bud Light, and he, she has reportedly made over 1 million through the deals while racking up over 10 million followers on TikTok. One of the key players in the dynamic is BlackRock CEO Larry Fink, one of the top shareholders in major companies, including Nike and Anheuser-Busch, who oversees assets worth $8.6 trillion. Can you wrap your mind around the amount of wealth $8.6 trillion is? Because I friggin' can't. That's insane that BlackRock controls that much wealth. Fink, and that's me talking, not the article, back to the article. Fink, who has been dubbed the face of ESG, showed his hand in 2018 in a notorious letter to top CEOs titled A Sense of Purpose, which threatened to demote those who didn't fall in line. Arguing that companies need to serve a social purpose, Fink said, to prosper over t- to prosper over time, every company must not only deliver financial performance, but also show how it makes a positive contribution to society. If a company doesn't engage with the community and have a sense of purpose, it will ultimately lose the license to operate from key stakeholders. Who are the key stakeholders who are ultimately taking away this license to operate? It's him. It's Larry Fink. It's BlackRock. The big fund fund managers like BlackRock all embrace this EFD orth orthodoxy in how they apply pressure to top corporate management teams and boards. And they determine in many cases, executive compensation and bonuses and who gets reelected or reappointed to boards. Now this is coming from Vivek uh, Ramsawami, Ramsawami, whatever. He's the guy who is the um, Indian uh, 2024, 2024 um, presidential candidate, GOP, GOP presidential candidate. Um, but he, he's exactly right. So they are pulling the strings. They can have, you know, board members removed. They can have CEOs removed. They can have, they can remove executives. They are pulling the strings. They are, so essentially 
because you have BlackRock pulling the strings, you have George Soros pulling the strings, these CEOs and executives and CFOs and, uh, you know, board, um, you know, corporate boards are not fulfilling their fiduciary responsibility to shareholders because they are looking over to the other stakeholders in the room that could take them out of a job that could pull their golden parachute away from them. Who has more leverage there? BlackRock has more leverage. The shareholder, the stock owner, the consumer, the regular person who's drinking Bud Light, the regular person who's, you know, trying to buy some running shoes. They don't care about you. They don't give a shit about you. You're not in control. This is not a free market economy. It's nothing close to a free market economy. This is, this is, Pure fascism, fascism with a hint seasoning of uh, of socialism. Okay, continuing on. One of the central ways businesses are able to appease the CEI rankings is through advertising. Here's what happened here with Budweiser, leading to controversial campaigns such as the recent Bud Light ads featuring Mulvaney. While Fink has combated claims that ESG is a politically driven project, I don't know how you how, how can you combat. Of course, it's politically driven. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, the president of the human rights campaign, which doles out the CEI ranking, is a former political organizer for Barack Obama. Hmm, shocking. Kelly Robinson, who took the helm in 2022 um, of HRC, was previously the executive director of Planned Parenthood. What a small world. Look at these people. These are the types of people who are pushing this shit down your throat. People who don't care about life. People who don't care if babies are murdered. These are evil, evil people. Okay, continuing on. I'm getting worked up here. Okay, um, Planned Parenthood has vowed to lead a road um, intersectional coalition for change across numerous industries, according to the Washington Post. But her CEI ranking was described as mafia-like by New Discourse's chief, James Lindsay who slammed it as an extortion racket to push ideological agendas on the public that runs deeper than the mere virtue signaling. It doesn't just sit back passively either, he told the Post. HRC sends representatives to corporations every year. Listen to this. HRC sends representatives to corporations every year, telling them what kind of stuff they have to make visible at the company. They give them a list of demands, and if they don't follow through, there's a threat that you won't keep your CEI score. The ESG is a highly subjective political score infiltrating all walks of life. All walks of life added Derek Kreifels, CEO of State Financial Officers Foundation and a leading voice against ESG. Um, the problem with measures like CEI and its big brother ESG is that it introduces an incentive structure outside the bounds of business, often in ways contradictory to fiduciary duty. Like I said before, this is Kreifel's talking. Um, whether Anheuser-Busch was trying to cash in on Dylan Mulvaney's TikTok following, they weren't. Or um, chasing higher CEI ratings for inclusivity, they were. The backlash has been significant, and the stockholders to whom the company is obligated will feel the pinch. Of course they will, but they don't care about the stockholders. Um, they don't care about the consumers. They don't care about you. And they're going to continue to shove this down your throat. And like I said earlier, this is phase one, okay? Phase one is the CEI, ESG, BlackRock, backdoor through corporations, 
having the leverage on the C-suite, on the boards, in order to shove this wokeism down your throat, to shove these climate change measures down your throat, to shove the diversity and inclusion down your throat. This is coming. This is coming to every major brand, to every major corporation, and probably even smaller brands, smaller corporations, and it's going to be sickening to watch. So just, just prepare yourself. And on another show, maybe I'll talk about what we can do to fight back, because I think there are some things, <clears throat> excuse me, that we can do to fight back. You get a drink of water. But before I do that on another show, I'm not going to get to it today. I don't have enough time as I'm recording this on the Saturday before Easter, and uh, I need to wrap this thing up so I can get it um, edited, posted, and enjoy my Easter Sunday tomorrow with the family. Phase one is what's happening now. Phase two. What's that? What do you think it is? What do you think phase two is? So if they if they are going to control, you know, what's coming out from these corporations, they're going to control the message coming out. They're, they they have the message. They have the communication channels. Um, they're you know they're able to promote and pull these influencers and shine a light on the influencers who they want to. What comes next is they're going to start controlling what you buy, how you buy. And uh, they're going to start limiting the things that you are able to purchase or buy, the products and services. And if they don't align with this ESG, wokeism, diversity, inc- uh, diversity, inclusion, climate change agenda, then you're not going to be able to buy it. And how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to do it with CBDC. And that is coming. I mean, the Fed just announced recently, I think by the end of the year, they're going to start using um, their internal uh, Federal Reserve CBDC for internal transactions. That's just testing it out. This is coming faster than I ever thought it could, and it's it's scary times, people. I mean, this is this is real, and this is happening, and we can get angry about it. And uh, you know, I, I do I do wonder, you know, because th- there's going to be um, you know cultural cultural heroes so-called heroes in quotes, who rise up against this and maybe end up running for president or something. And then people will direct all their energy towards supporting them, saying, this person is going to save us. The problem with that is the, they're not because they, they don't have the leverage to change it. Um, they don't have the leverage to change the system. They can't control BlackRock. Donald Trump, say Donald Trump gets reelected. What, what's he going to do? He's, he's not going to control BlackRock. He's not going to stop um, the messaging coming out of these corporations being shoved down our throat. He's not going to stop the Federal Reserve implementing a CBDC. So it's kind of like a false hope, which I think that's one way to, to kind of fight back against this is we have to realize that we have to be very tactical in how we fight back and how we invest our resources, how we invest our time, and that we're not distracted by these you know false heroes. That uh that rise up out of the culture, because um, it's going to be very in. They're not even. I'm not even saying that necessarily they're false, because there are people who are. I think it's very important. I'm speaking out against it right now. I think people should speak out against this, right? Um, but we have to be careful to think that just speaking out against it, <clears throat> it's not enough. We have to find a way to get leverage in order to get this back. In order to turn this ship around. I think it's possible. I, I certainly do think it's possible. Um, but it's it's gonna this isn't something you solve in a year. This is something you think long term 
on how the heck are we going to turn this ship around? So we can talk about that another time. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy times that we're living in. Uh, I was talking to my wife last night about this and, you know, even like three or four years ago, if you told me this shit was happening, I, I would not believe you. I would not believe you. I would say that you were completely insane, that you're a crazy person. And if you told me this in 2019 and 2024, that a, uh, a trans person would be on a Bud Light can promoting Bud Light or dancing around in uh, women's underwear promote, promoting Nike, I would have laughed in your face. I would have laughed in your face. That's how ridiculous this is and how quickly um, th- this change has occurred. But it's here. It's here. It's here to stay. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it is what it is at this point in time, and we'll, uh, we'll adjust and fight back as we need to. Nonviolently, let's say that. Fight back nonviolently. So, speaking of uh, of violence, was Kamala Harris inciting violence in her uh, her speech down in Tennessee, responding to the two lawmakers who were um, removed from the uh, the Tennessee um, House down there, House of Representatives? So, let's listen in on Kamala Harris's Kamala Harris's. I can never say her name. Kamala Harris's. Um, speech which she gave down in Tennessee as I pull this up ba, 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 da, da, da. here we go okay here we go Kamala Harris in Tennessee this is about I don't know about a minute long so here we go we understand when we took an oath to represent the people when we took an oath to represent the people who elected us that we speak on behalf of them. It wasn't about the three of these leaders. It was about who they were representing. It's about whose voices they were channeling. Understand that, and is that not what a democracy allows? A democracy says you don't silence the people. You do not stifle the people. You don't turn off their microphones when they are speaking about the importance of life and liberty. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about this here. Because, I mean, th- this is politicking 101. You know, we don't, she's saying, we don't, you don't silence the people when they're talking about life and liberty. You don't turn off their mic. You don't, she didn't say this, but you don't censor people. Well, that's funny. What happened during COVID, Kamala? What happened then? You couldn't speak about any other narrative other than the one coming out from the freaking White House and Fauci. You couldn't speak out against it. You couldn't speak out against anything that was being pushed out from the, the CDC. You couldn't run counter to that. Even if you are a decorated scientist who's been you know, practicing medicine for years and years, you couldn't even speak out against it on social media, on Twitter, um, on podcast. No, you were censored. You were flagged. You were silenced. You were deplatformed. So don't come to me and talk to me, Kamala Harris, about who and when people should be silenced. And also, this is different. This is a legislative body that is elected by the people in Tennessee 
who are deciding to remove these two members. So that, my friends, is democracy in action. Because <laughs> this is an elected body doing it, a democratically elected body. And, you know, you could argue maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe they should not have done it. You can bring that argument to the table. You can talk about it. But don't say it's not, it's not democratic for them to do it because that's exactly what they were elected to do was control their own legislative body. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's what they do as a House of Representatives. It's, it's just absolutely crazy how hypocritical these people are. And it, it makes me angry. But at the same time, what makes me more angry is the people where they hear this and they cheer and they are totally, totally, um, it's totally lost on them. The hypocrisy in this. People don't even notice it. They are so zoomed in on their echo chamber, so zeroed in on uh, on gun control, so zeroed in on uh, on COVID, on vaccines, on whatever, on masking, so zeroed in that they just selectively pick and choose where they use censorship, where they say there shouldn't be censorship, where you know they need to have liberty, where there shouldn't be liberty. And it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's just, uh, it's the way politics works. And, you know, it's why, it's why libertarians will never be successful at the federal level in politics, because the game that they're playing is a different game than libertarians want to play. And libertarians can't make them play the game that they want to play it, play the game the way that they want to play it. No, they can't. So what's what happens is they just say, libertarians, guess what? You're not playing this game. You should no interest in playing this game. So why are we even letting you on the field? Which is why they don't let libertarians on the field. If you want to change that, change the way you play the game. Start playing the game the way that they're playing it and start actually trying to win politically. Um you know, if you if you don't want to do that, then I don't know. Don't don't run for federal office and don't expect me or any other libertarian with a head on their shoulders to give you money to run for office if you're not willing to try to win on the playing field. And I I just, I just don't see a path forward for a libertarian to win in this environment when you so clearly have politicians on the left and the right that selectively choose when and where they want to apply the ideas of liberty and freedom and when and where they want to apply censorship, deplatforming. And you, you, you have to push back. And that's exactly what these Republicans did in Tennessee. And they did it within the rules as they pushed back. They had some Democrats that stepped over the line and did this, you know, crazy, um, um, uh, gun control protest. And, they got rid of them. And of course you have the, the Democrats, you know, AOC, Kamala Harris, all fired up and fed up and saying that this is the worst thing to happen in the history of the world with completely tone deaf to every other time they've done the same exact, exact thing um, against Republicans. So that, that's the game back and forth. I mean, Republicans honestly don't play it as well as Democrats, which is why Democrats control literally every institution and will probably control the entire government again in 2024. Um, and that, that's just the reality of, this, of the situation. 
I mean, that's I, I'm just calling the shots as I see them. I'm just calling it as I see it. So that's that's what we got going on there. And just a side note on Kamala Harris, like I've never seen somebody get so much on the job experience for like public speaking and and yet like never get any better. I mean, this was I would say one of her better speeches. But if you watch the video on it, her hand signals are ridiculous. Like when she says the word like when she talks about like speaking, she takes her hands up and like makes like the like speaking noise. Like she's like, she's like pulling the word, like, like pushing the words out of her mouth, like to say speaking and like who would ever, like no one's instructed her to do that. This is, I guess this is just horrible public speaking and gesturing. It's just a natural gift that she has. And somehow for whatever reason, they can't get her to stop doing it. And it's it's funny, and it, it's going to be even funnier when you know Donald Trump ends up winning the GOP nomination. Um, Joe Biden, uh, you know, stumbles, meanders in to the uh, Democratic, winning the Democratic nomination. Biden beats Trump because Trump's not going to beat Biden, and then Biden ends up either dying or you know becoming completely, uh, completely dementia ridden and incapacitated. And Kamala Harris is your president. I would say that's the most likely scenario of what happens. Um, greater than 50% that happens um, in 2024 and beyond. That Biden wins again, and we end up with uh, Kamala Harris, the worst public speaking, hand gesturing president in the history of the world, and uh, really just a awful, awful person. Um, hopefully it doesn't happen, but I, I think it's, it's greater, than, greater than 50% greater than a coin flip. So that's kind of sad. Anyway, um, what's the good news? Um, the good news is we're still alive, people. We're, we're still here. Um, it's Easter Monday. You're listening to this on Monday. Um, I'm a Christian. I have faith that good wins out in the end. In the end, Christ wins. In the end, you know, we will be in heaven with our Father. And that's just the facts. That is what I believe in my heart. That is what I have, you know, really felt in my soul um, as I've uh, as I've grown it in my Christian faith. And uh, you know, I'm sure other Christians can relate to that. People who are atheists, people who don't believe in God, probably listen to this part of it, saying, "Wow, John has lost his mind. I was tracking with him up until now, but he's he's a crazy person." And you know what? That's fine if you think that. It, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Um, doesn't bother me at all. So I would just pray that hopefully the Lord works uh, in your life uh, to change your heart. And that's the only way really that these things change is, you know, God has to work in your heart or work through someone else um, to, uh, to bring, to bring Christ uh, into your life. So that's my prayer this Easter Monday for each and every one of you out there uh, listening or watching. I hope everyone has a great week. Uh, coming up this week, and I'll be back next week with another interview. Um, I have a couple good ones lined up. Um, going to be talking um, to friend of the show, Mikel Thorup. I think that'll air next week, and uh, we're going to talk about his new book, you know, about becoming an expat in Mexico. Um, this is a guy who has incredible experience. Um, be about becoming an expat really anywhere in the world, the best places to do it. So if that is something you're at all interested in, which I think everybody should be to a certain extent to just to at least learn a little bit about it. Um, 
to have that in your back pocket in case you need it to get prepared to prepare yourself in case you know shit really hits the fan in this country um, you're going to want to tune in to that episode because it's going to be a outstanding and informative episode and then uh, the following week i i don't know i got a couple um interviews lined up but they're going to be good i am going to be talking to uh to Doug Casey from the uh, Libertarian Christian Podcast at some point in the next few weeks. Looking forward to that interview. Like I said at the top of the show, I was on his podcast. Um, well, I, I was, it was recorded last week. It'll air in like two to three weeks. So I'm looking forward to you guys all hearing that. And that's all I got for this week. You know, I, I went for, what did I say? A half hour, 36 minutes. I over-delivered. I'm happy with that. Be sure to subscribe and well, subscribe to the podcast and join the uh, the Lions of Liberty Pride. Uh, would love to have you in the Pride. We are really focusing on giving our Pride members the best content, delivering extra content. Every interview I do is going to be accompanied by a bonus segment that you can get. You know, you can get a, a, a our Lions of Liberty bonus feed just for five dollars a month, joining the Pride at our lowest level <clears throat> through Patreon or through locals, lionsofliberty.locals.com, uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash lionsofliberty to join there. Of course, you get Brian's daily weekday rants, and you get Degenerate Gamblers when it's in season. You get Secrets, Lies, and Cover-Ups, which is our conspiracy show. So much good stuff. Discount in the store, discount on Run Your Mouth Coffee, rymcoffee.com the official coffee of free speech. Check it out. Um, yeah, all this great stuff. So join the pride. Do it today or do it tomorrow. And uh, we hope to see you there. See you in our Facebook group. And have a great week this week. And always remember to keep your head up in the fires of liberty burning. Burning.